0: Hello, and welcome on to another episode here of the ISO Ball Podcast with your host, Derek Terrio, your place to learn about the NBA on and off the court. So as promised, we did the East semifinals preview. We are going to jump into the Western Conference semis preview. Uh, We'll do a preview here of the, uh, sorry, we'll do a review of the Rockets Warriors Game 1 along with some uh, observations and some notes that I saw. And as well, we will get into the Nuggets against the Portland Trail Blazers in the 2-3 matchup in the Western Conference on the other side. So no time being wasted. We're just going to go and jump into it starting with the Rockets Warriors Game 1 notes. So we'll go through it here quarter by quarter. Uh, talked about some of the starting lineups, uh, some of the things I saw in each given quarter, and some overall takeaways. So the Rockets to start, traditional starting lineup for them, uh, starting with Chris Paul, James Harden, Eric Gordon, PJ Tucker, and Clint Capella. And the Warriors actually started their death lineup with Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Andre Iguodala, and Draymond Green. Uh, the first quarter started out uh, the Rockets switching every action, uh, very similar to the strategy they did in the 2018 Western Conference Finals. Uh, in the Warriors actually turned it over eight times, leading to 10 Rocket points in that first quarter. Um, but despite that, the Rockets one of 13 from three to start, absolutely abysmal. And the Warriors won that quarter 28 to 19 after one uh, Draymond and. Uh, Kevon Looney were the top scorers in the first quarter, first quarter benefiting a lot from some Rocket uh, defensive breakdowns, uh, beginning with the very first play of the game where Draymond Green uh, slipped an off ball screen and got an easy layup right at the rim. Moving on to the second quarter here, the Rockets three started to fall a little bit. Uh, they went actually seven of nine after missing 14 of their first 16 three pointers. Uh, but despite that, twice in the quarter, Rockets Got a shot clock violation just because they weren't aware of the time. They didn't get them. They got into their offensive sets uh, very late, and that cost them at least two possessions in that quarter. Uh, on the other side, Golden State, 13 turnovers at the half uh, for the Golden State Warriors. But despite that, it was about 53-53 at halftime. Despite all of that, halftime shooting: the Rockets shot 16 of 40 for 40 percent. Warriors shot 23 of 39 for 59 percent. So. Despite all of that, we had a tie game at halftime, which is quite surprising. The Rockets defensively were very solid in that first half, in my opinion. Uh, moving to the third quarter here, Golden State actually won this quarter 30-23. to And overall, the Warriors just started getting much better quality of looks uh, than the Rockets, in my opinion. With four minutes left, key, key possession here, key couple possessions here. With four minutes left to go uh, in the quarter, Iman Shumpert... Uh, overhelped on a Looney post-up that was being defended, I believe it was by Daniel House at that point, I could be wrong about that, and he overhelped and the Looney just made an easy pass to Draymond for an easy dunk, and then Schumpert comes down the other end Uh, with 8 seconds left on the clock, takes this bad shot, in my opinion, this pullback 3-pointer, and then that led to the Warriors getting out in transition where they were pushing, and then KD got a foul for two free throws. So that kind of embodied that quarter to me. I mean, the Rockets weren't getting great shots, and the Warriors were just getting awesome shots. Uh, And to compound that, Warriors 11-14 of from the free throw line in the third quarter, and after 3 The score was 83-76 for the Warriors. So moving on to the fourth quarter here, Kevin Durant was just cooking in isolation. Uh, Four offensive rebounds for the Warriors in that quarter as well. Nene uh, was getting cooked in the pick and roll, so especially at the end of the game here, which we'll kind of describe because this was kind of a key stretch. So. Uh, Steph Curry, uh, so the, I think the Rockets at this point are down two, if I'm not mistaken. After a free throw, Nene is in there, not sure why, for a defense only possession. So Steph Curry calls for a pick and roll, gets Nene switched onto him, uh, does a nasty left to right crossover, hits a three right in his face with about 25 seconds left, and that put the Warriors up five. So timeout, uh, Harden comes down, gets a quick two uh, puts the Warriors up three, and the Warriors call a timeout. So the Warriors now inbound the ball to Kevin Durant at half court. Chris Paul and Daniel House come to trap, and they actually get the steal. Uh, the Rockets came down the floor. Uh, Harden shoots a three and misses. Some sh- some say that shot was a foul, swinging his legs out. Personally, I don't think it was, and we'll get into a little bit about you know the refereeing and uh, the shooting fouls and stuff like that, but that particular play I didn't think was a foul. So Harden shoots that, CP3 then gets the rebound, tries to pass it to Eric Gordon, and just gets absolutely fouled. This one was a was extremely foul, just trying to pass it to Eric Gordon uh, and was fouled by Klay Thompson. That was an egregious foul, can't believe that one didn't get called. And that actually leads to Chris Paul complaining to the ref and getting his second technical which uh, got him you know, kicked out from the game. Warriors made the free throw, and the Warriors go on to win the game 104-100 off that free throw. So here's some overall general observations from this game that I pulled personally. Uh, we can start with the no-call and the three-point attempts. I, I, I'm I, so surprised that they aren't calling this. This is a really surprise to me. James Harden got fouled on at least three three-point shots Uh Guys landing in his uh, landing area, getting hit on the wrist. Chris Paul got fouled out on one of those as well, and you just have to give the guy space to land. We saw in 2017 what happened to Kawhi Leonard. They've changed the rules uh, to make sure that you know the Zaza Pachulia situation doesn't happen and guys aren't getting injured. And if you watch the plays, there's very, very high risk for. James Harden to turn his ankle because guys are landing in his space, and you know I I, I was at the Raptors versus OKC game where I believe Ibaka landed in Schroeder's landing space in uh, on a mid range shot and actually got a technical foul for that. So not only three shot foul, a technical foul for that. So the fact that there was no foul called on James Harden to me is quite surprising. You'd like to think that they're going to clean those up, but. Again, I don't want to get too much into the refereeing sort of sort of stuff. That stuff is out of your control, and you can only control what you can control. So we, we leave the refs out of it, but I do think that we should probably clean up uh, those shooting fouls because they are shooting fouls, in my opinion, other than the one uh, with uh, that James Harden shot to try and tie the game with seconds to go. I don't think that one was a foul, but the rest of them, I do believe that those were fouls. Another thing, the Rockets, very little points in the paint. 30 points in the paint for the entire game, and there was only one lob dunk to Capella. You could see that the Warriors were definitely trying to take that away. Uh, Harden was having to sell for some of these floaters. He missed three or four of those because the lob to Capella clearly was not there. And the Rockets, much like the Western Conference Finals in 2018, tried to put Steph Curry in every pick and roll with the attempt to get him switched onto James Harden. Uh, the Warriors played this little hedge and recover strategy where Curry would show onto Harden and then try to quickly recover back to his men, which they did to mostly success uh, for most of the game. And there was also some off ball switching going on, especially uh, later in the third and fourth quarter, where Harden would call for the guy, for Curry's man to come set a screen. But on the way up to set the screen, Curry would actually switch off and have somebody else, like Draymond or Clay, come and replace him as a defender. And so this allowed for Golden State to switch those pick and rolls. No advantage gain because, you know, instead of Curry switching on to Harden, now it's Draymond Green or Clay Thompson. So there's no advantage gain there. And uh, this, you know, caused Harden to, you know, settle for some isolation so- shots, some of which. Which weren't the greatest. On the Golden State side, Kevin Durant absolutely just cooked in this game. He cooked anybody not named PJ Tucker in isolation. Daniel House was the guy that really just did not benefit from this at all. He really uh, uh, just cooked Daniel House on the post, shooting over the top of him. A couple one-dribble pull-ups, fouling. It was just very difficult for anyone not named PJ Tucker, uh, who was in foul trouble at the end of the game, there to defend. Kevin Durant, and let's face it, not really surprised about that. Uh, the Rockets you know, also switched on every action, but just miscommunicated a number of times, which uh, led to Draymond on the short roll, or two guys going with Curry, leaving the screener open for a dunk, things of that nature. That's something that the Rockets will have to clean up. Although they, although they did play a solid game defensively, those little uh, miscommunications on switches uh, really did not help them whatsoever. Um, I, I talked about KD KD was easily the best player on the floor in this game uh, he had 35 points Harden also had 35 points 9 of 28 shooting for Harden 4 of 16 from 3 he simply just has to be better 6 assists, 4 turnovers he just has to be better in this game and an- another guy that was good for the Rockets was Eric Gordon Eric Gordon had 27 points on 10 of 19 shooting so he was excellent in this game as well Adjustments for both teams here. Uh, the Warriors have to take better care of the ball. They had 20 turnovers, which is just clearly too many. Anytime you turn the ball 20, uh, turn the ball over 20 times, it's really not going to end well for you. Although it did in this game, but you can't expect that uh, to turn the turn the ball over 20 times and win games going forward. Uh, the Warriors were seven of 22 from downtown. Probably going to have to make more threes in this series uh, to win games consistently. The rockets were in it for most of the game not shooting the three well but still found a way to keep keep themselves in it just simply on the volume of threes they were shooting Finding ways to get Curry and Thompson open. I mean, Tom, Klay Thompson coming in with an ankle injury didn't look like himself here, so maybe we cast that one aside for a little bit. But uh, the Rockets are just going to switch every pin-down action. Every, uh, every off-ball screen you're trying to set for those guys is just going to get switched, and those actions are going to be negated. So I think the Warriors are going to have to try to find the, get those guys better looks. The only time they did get open was off of scramble plays and you know things that the Rockets can definitely clean up to try and take away. So um, trying to get better looks for Curry. Curry. Curry and Thompson I think would be probably imperative here for the Warriors going forward. Uh, In terms of Rockets adjustments, I think uh, the Rockets need to limit uh, Nene and Shumpert's minutes. Both were liabilities on the floor to me. Uh, Nene was okay, I guess. Um, He's in there for rebounds. Only got two rebounds in 13 minutes. And he was just the target of every single pick and roll consistently, getting cooked in those actions. And uh, on Shumpert's side of things, he was not great either. Didn't make a three-pointer. Defense was questionable, as I uh, mentioned, the overhelp there, leaving Draymond Green open for a layup. Um, getting Austin Rivers back might help that. He had a, uh, a stomach virus and a, and a 24-hour flu, I think I saw on Twitter there. So he should be back for game two, which should replace those Shumpert minutes. Again, he's a better defender, in my opinion, I think, than Shumpert. He'll see some time on Curry and can make a three-pointer and can do some shot creation, even if it's not at a high level, uh, something the Rockets can use, uh, especially with those late-in-the-clock situations that they found themselves in quite a bit. Rockets, 14 of 47 from three is just not good enough. Uh, 14 threes is great. 40 on 47 attempts is not great. Either they need to hit more of those or just simply take less threes. Um, I, I would suggest maybe attacking the basket more if you're hard and maybe try to not sell for the step back three drive and try to force help and improve the quality of those three-pointers. Uh, I think that might help the Rockets. And finally, I... My favorite player, we all know, but Chris Paul has to be better in this game. Um, he scored 17 points uh, on nine shooting, on nine shots, but uh, only only had four assists, five turnovers, and two technicals that led to points, uh, two points that could have sw- swung the game a lot. So, another thing with Chris Paul is he needs to hunt his shot in this series. He has to be aggressive. He has to look for that mid ranger in. In those minutes where Bo gets on the floor, where they can, uh, where the Warriors will play traditional pick and roll defense and won't switch every action, uh, he's got to take advantage of those isolation possessions where we know he can get to that step out three or uh, be able to, um, you, you know, another actually just kind of thought to me came here. Another actually I didn't see a lot of is they would uh, they go to this a lot where they would they post up Chris Paul in the block and they have Clint Capella and Eric Gordon run kind of this zipper cut action where. Gordon will flash to the top of the key and be able to get a three-pointer, or he'll go backdoor for a layup where Chris Paul will be able to read that situation and find him. They did such a great job of using that play in the regular season. I didn't see any of that in this game, and I think maybe trying to do a little bit more of that in Game 2 might help the Rockets uh, find a little bit of a better offense. But uh, Rockets lose Game 1, and they need to win Game 2 here. I mean, you can't go down 2-0 and be expected to win four out of the next five uh, with... A couple of those being in Golden State and a Game 7 being in Golden State. So I think the Rockets need to take a game on the road here from the Warriors. And it's uh, it's not a must-win in this series, but I think it's as close to as must, a must-win as you're going to get. Uh, I do believe the Rockets can defend their home court, but I think they're going to have to prove that they can win on the road in Golden State to have a chance to win this series. So I'm not going to make any predictions about this series. Obviously, Golden State won the first game, so it would be silly of me to say, oh, Golden State is going to win in X amount of games. But... I think it's going to be a great series. I think I still think this game is going to go seven. And if I had to uh, pick a winner in the series, I'm going to go Golden State in seven games, and mainly that's just because they're on their home court. and uh, And we'll we'll see how it goes. But this is the series that everyone has been looking for, uh, looking forward to. So uh, hopefully, we get a good one going forward. So that'll wrap it up for the Rockets versus the Warriors. Now let's move on to the preview here of Denver Portland, which takes place tonight at 10:30. You know, given the proximity of myself, I'm on the east coast here, uh, about an uh, hour and a half from Toronto. The timing of these games for me is a little bit difficult for me to stay up till 1 a.m. and then have to go to work the next day. So I, I tend to watch these games the next day on League Pass. Or sometimes get sometimes get the 15 minute uh, game recap uh, that League Pass puts out things of that nature. So it's tough for me to give game by game breakdowns, especially of series like this. But series previews is always something I can is always something I can do, and uh, that's what we're going to do in this case. So Denver Portland, much like I did like the, with the two East matchups, let's do uh, the who guards who in this scenario. So starting with the Nuggets defensive matchup, I believe that Jamal Murray is going to guard C J McCollum. Uh, and I think Gary Harris guards Damian Lillard. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's how they played that matchup in their regular season as well. I think Tory Craig will guard Mo Harkless. I think uh, Paul Millsap guards Alfarouk Aminu. And I think Jokic obviously guards Cantor. Or I know Cantor's got a, sh- a shoulder injury he's dealing with. So whether that be Zach Collins or Myers Leonard, I think Jokic will obviously guard whoever uh, replaces Cantor should that be necessary. On the Blazers side. Uh, defensively, I think Dame Lillard will guard Jamal Murray. I think CJ guards Gary Harris. I think Mo Harkless will guard uh, Tory Craig. I think Rukuminu guards Paul Millsap. And I think Cantor, uh, Leonard, or Collins, whoever starts, guards Nikola Jokic. So the keys for the Nuggets here. First of all, this is going to be an offensive series. I don't think either team is going to be able to stop each other. But the keys for the Nuggets is, first of all, get off, get out in transition. Uh, John Schumann put out an excellent article of some stats on both of these teams. And I, I pulled out some Nuggets, no pun intended, uh, on some of these teams. So uh, the Denver Nuggets have scored 1.27 points per possession in transition. Uh, that was the postseason's best mark, ranked 1 out of 16 teams. But their 12.9 transition possessions uh, per game actually ranks 14th out of 16th. So they're clearly scoring in transition but just not getting out there enough. And I think they need to get out there a little bit more. I think that just makes sense for them. Uh, With Cantor wanting to get on the offensive glass and how big of a a force he is on the boards, I think the Nuggets should look to run a little bit more and try to take advantage of the lack of size and mobility of this Portland team, which should yield some good shots, some good threes in transition, some good shots at the rim with the lack of shot blocking and things of that nature. Uh, The second key I got for the Nuggets here is just simply one player, and that's Will Barton. Uh, Will Barton began the series starting for the Nuggets, but played extremely poorly in that Spurs series. Uh, and was relegated to the bench, and rightfully so. He was definitely not good, and Torrey Craig, in one game, proved to be able to knock down a bunch of threes, which helped the, nu- which helped the Nuggets, and also played some really, really good defense as well. Uh, the Nuggets were actually outscored by 10.2 possessions per 100 possessions. Again, this is uh, per John Schumann. 10.2 outscored 10.2 possessions per 100 possessions with Will Barton on the floor. That was the worst net rating among all players who average at least 15 minutes for their team that advanced to the conference semifinals. So of the eight teams that are in the conference semis, uh, Will Barton has the worst net rating of anybody who has played 15 minutes. That's that's pretty poor in my opinion. That's very bad. Um, but in general, Barton is being tasked to lead that Nuggets second unit now that he's on the, he's on the bench, and that means he's going to have to provide a scoring punch. He's going to be. He's going to need to be better than he was uh, in that Spurs series. Uh, he's going to have to provide a bench presence. I mean, with guys on the other on the other side in Portland, with like Rodney Hood, Seth Curry being the main bucket getters off the bench, and obviously you know CJ and Dame are going to get staggered minutes, so they'll be on the floor as well. Um, but Barton's going to have to be uh, take opportunity of that and make the Nuggets bench unit a plus when Dame or CJ is on the floor in those staggered minutes, and I think he can do that. I think he's very capable of uh, being a scorer. I think he can get to his spots. I think he can knock down threes. He's just going to have to show that he can do that at this point uh, because he hasn't been good in this series, uh, in the Spurs series. So I think he's got a chance to redeem himself here, and I really think that he can do that. Uh, the last key I got for the Nuggets here is simply defending shooters. Um, see, all So many Blazers threats from three-point land. You got CJ McCollum, Dame Lillard, Moe Harkless, Al Rodney Hood... Seth Curry, Myers Leonard. All these guys can shoot the three 3 ball and shoot it well. And that's backed up by the numbers. Again, per John Schumann here, Portland was the best shooting team in the first round at 40.5% from downtown. 40.5%, almost 41% from downtown. That is a great number. Um, specifically, the the corner three. Portland shot 48% from the, from the three in the corners. And again, an excellent number and picking up these guys in transition hard closeouts, making guys like Al Farouk Aminu, Myers Leonard and Harkless put the ball on the floor is going to be necessary to executing a defense that's going to uh, that's going to lead to less amount of three point shots from these Nuggets guys and making those guys being Aminu, uh, Leonard and Harkless do things that they're not necessarily uh, do things that are not necessarily their strengths which is putting the ball on the floor and forcing them to make decisions. So that's going to be very key for the Nuggets and I think if they can defend these shooters, that's going to go along way for the Nuggets uh, to being able to put together a defensive strategy that's going to yield uh, good results and hopefully get some get them some wins in this series. So on to the Blazers here. Uh, keys for the Blazers is the first one I came up with, and it's low-hanging fruit, but it was a real easy one, is how do you defend Jokic? The center options for the Blazers, as I talked about, are uh, Ennis Cantor, Zach Collins, Myers Leonard. Um, all of those guys are just mismatches. Like... Cantor might not even be ready to play with the shoulder, and even he is you know, not a great defender, although he did prove to have some good defensive stretches against uh, OKC in the first round. But what type of what type of coverage are they going to get uh, to play on Jokic? I mean, you, you certainly can't double him because of how good of a passer he is. He gets about 10 elbow touches per game, and he, he makes the most of those, whether he goes to work or finds the right guy passing. I mean, it's, it's going to be tough to defend. It really is. He has the ability to pass at an elite level, which we obviously know. Uh, he can pick and pop to three. Uh, he can go to work with two, three, or four dribbles on the block. Uh, to me, Zach Collins too light in the shorts. He's a little uh, he, he's a little light to be able to defend Jokic. Leonard not really that great of a pick and roll defender or a defender on post ups, uh, and I, I doubt that you know he's going to be able to close out to Jokic on pick and pop situations as well. They like I said they really can't double because he's a good passer. What's the answer? I I really don't know. I wish I had a good answer on how to defend Jokic with the resources that the Blazers have, but I just I just don't see it happening. So I think Jokic is going to be a major mismatch in this series, and I think a key for the Blazers is to find a way to at least limit Jokic and his effectiveness, and that's going to go a long way from the uh, for them to winning this series as well. Another another key for the Blazers is on the. The Nuggets side, there's cutters everywhere. Uh, Dame and CJ are going to have to be chasing Jamal Murray and Gary Harris a lot around these handoff actions that they run with Jokic at the top of the key and at the three-point line. And they better be aware of these off-ball cutters as well, and this goes for the entire Blazers team. Um, They better be ready to run because – as soon as Jokic has the ball in his hand, these cutters are ready to just run everywhere. They know Jokic. If they cut hard, Jokic will get them the ball. And that's going to require a lot of off-ball attention and attention and detail from these Blazer defenders to be able to be locked in. Don't have five eyes on Jokic. That's not going to help you. You really need to be locked in on your guy and watch for backdoor cuts. Watch for handoff actions. And just be aware of all this stuff because uh, you lose a guy for a split second, and Jokic has hit your guy right on the money for an easy layup. So uh, cutters everywhere on Portland or on the nugget side, and Portland's got to be aware and right on cue and uh, very attentive to these uh, to these off-ball shooters and cutters because they will get burned very quickly if they start uh, having too many eyes on Jokic. Last key I've got. For the Blazers is the Dame Lillard pick and roll. Um, Dame showed Dame showed the ability to beat the traps uh, in the OKC series by splitting, splitting the double. He would turn the corner on Stephen Adams. He really has uh, come a long way from the uh, the trapping scheme that was that he fell victim to in the New Orleans series two years ago. And now he's got range. Now he's got well documented range. <laughs> I mean, 8 of 12 uh, from 30-plus feet in the series against OKC. So now the pick-and-roll is going to have to be defended much further out on the floor. And I think their offense uh, should be a steady diet of these Dame pick-and-rolls, in my opinion. I mean, finding the roll guy, letting Cantor, Collins, or Leonard um, either pick-and-roll or, in the case of Leonard, probably pick-and-pop, and have either Collins or uh, co- sorry, Collins or roll Uh, Be the release valve in the traps against Dame and play the 4-on-3 game where, you know, you get the ball in the middle of the floor and you make a decision. Which shooter is open? Is there a guy guarding me? Am I going to the rim? Am I finding a shooter in the corner or out on the wing? And obviously... As I documented earlier, uh, the Portland Trailblazers are very adept at shooting 3-pointers, and they're going to get open shots in this series if Dame can find uh, Cantor or Collins on in that 4-on-3 roll game. So we'll, we'll have to see how that works. I mean, if you're the Nuggets, you're really going to want to have to be attentive to that, because if you're starting to leave shooters open, it's not going to end well for you, in my opinion. So wrapping this up, my prediction, I'm taking Portland in six games, and I'm taking Damian Lillard to advance to his first conference finals in his career. Uh, crazy, about, crazy to think about how great of a player Dame is and the fact that he's never been to a conference finals. Um, this series, I think, is going to be all offense, like I mentioned. And if in a series with all offense, I'm going to pick the best offensive player in these situations, and that is Damian Lillard. Uh, Portland also has more rest. Uh, they took care of the OKC Thunder pretty quickly, and the Nuggets went seven games with the Spurs. So the Portland has the rest advantage here. And overall, and again in an offensive series, I think that Portland just has better shooting. I think Portland just has guys that you can trust a little bit more uh, to make shots from the outside. And I think uh, in a series where you're going to see very little defense, you're going to have to trust those guys to make shots. And I'm just relying a lot more on Portland shooters, I think, than I am on those of the Nuggets. So thanks for listening once again. Uh, we've got some stuff coming up in the near future. i got some stuff coming out here. I've got another player breakdown. Uh, on Chris Paul and his step out move and how effective that is. I'm going to be posting that on the YouTube channel. Um, I've, I've got a piece in the works, a little bit, a podcast, kind of a ranting podcast on how we should view Russell Westbrook after this OKC going out in five games and him losing in the first round for the third year in a row. And uh, the, probably after the playoffs wraps up and we've determined a finals champion, I'm probably going to do an awards pod, which I chose to kind of save for later this year, just to kind of give people a reminder that this is a regular season award and to just kind of not forget who was the real dominant uh, players and the players that deserved awards in the regular season. And finally, over the summer, we've got uh, some draft content that I'm sure uh, Nick Raponi will be on to help me out with as he's a bit of a college basketball guy, uh, more so than I am, although I watched a little bit more this year uh, and I've got some opinions. But, uh, yeah, the, the, we're, we've we got some content coming out. Again, we'll probably do a finals, uh, game-by-game breakdown, things of that nature. So a lot of stuff coming out, a lot of reasons to be attentive on the ISOBall podcast uh, on Apple podbean as well as youtube and uh, yeah hopefully uh we'll see we'll hear from you uh on twitter as well on the social media channels and hopefully you'll be attentive to the content that is coming out soon thanks for listening and we'll talk soon